Again, thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here. Let's pray. Um, I, I felt like we need to pray. There's a lot of people who are, are, are sick, you know, going through stuff. And then when you look at the world, it's like, holy cow, you know, there's stuff um, going on there. But we just need to pray, you know, because prayer really, um, I keep thinking prayer strikes the winning blow. And, and, and we have not because we ask not, you know. And, and everybody knows someone who is sick under the weather. <clears throat> and we really want to see God do miracles, don't we? But it's like, like we, we can wish, but maybe we need to step out in faith and begin to really ask God, say, God, will you just heal? And we see, yeah. So, so let's uh, pray. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father, you know, nothing is impossible for you. That uh, with you all things are possible, Lord. And Father, we just ask that um, as your children, uh, you said that, um, you know, we ask our earthly fathers for a piece of bread. We're not going to get a stone. And, 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 and so we can come to you and we just come to you and we just ask, Father, that, that the people that we know that who are sick, God, um, under the weather, it could be battling something really seriously, uh, serious, whatever, Father, we just pray that right now in the name of Jesus that you would bring healing, God, that you would heal. Even right now in our midst, people who are just kind of, you know, struggling with stuff, we, we pray now in the name of Jesus, would you just bring healing, God, to, to viruses, to colds, to, to congestion, to sinuses, stuff, people with back issues, whatever it is, God, we pray and we ask for your healing power now to just come. Just come, God, come now. And Father, in our world, Lord, you know, with the coronavirus and especially the coronavirus, Lord, we just pray, Father, will you just now begin to just um, grab hold of that and that, um, that you would get rid of that. We don't, they don't even know what's, what the whole deal is about that, Father. You do know, and Father, we just pray that you would take care of that, Lord, and all the people who are struggling, all the people who are sick, Lord, that you would heal now in the name of Jesus. And Father, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the fear and all this, Father, we pray that your light and your love would come shining through and that people would turn to you. So we just thank you, Lord. And today, help us to open our hearts, open our hearts to receive more of Jesus. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word today. That today we would, we would grow in our love for Jesus. That we would leave this place more in love with Jesus than when we came, Lord. And so we just thank you. Thank you for the gospel of Mark. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I was in seminary, I, I had to read this book. You know, and I, I kind of wanted to, but I had to read this book um, by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, called The Cost of Discipleship. And it's not the easiest book to read, um, but Bonhoeffer was one of the few pastors in Germany during the time of Hitler when Hitler rose into power. And um, the German church, they were kind of hoping that, you know, church, I mean, the world is out there. Hitler and what's going on is out there, but they just wanted to cloister themselves in, in the church, hoping that it would all turn out. 
Bonhoeffer was one of those guys, young guy, and said, no, you know what? Uh, we've got to take action. That we've got to be a church that takes action. And so, so he and a few others um, banded together. They, they created this movement called the Confessing Church. And um, during Hitler's reign, young Bonhoeffer, he was just in his 30s, he just pleaded and pleaded with the church to follow Jesus with an all-in kind of faith, right? Because it was really easy just to kind of, you know, it was comfortable, you know? It was comfortable there. And all of a sudden, this threat comes in. He knew it was a threat. And, and he says, guys, we got to wake up. Okay? We got to wake up. And uh, <clears throat> in his 30s, he, uh, he was just exhorting the church. And, and during that time, he, uh, I think in 1937, he, he wrote the book. In his 30s, he wrote this, 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 this heavy book called The Cost of Discipleship. And that book, um, man, that has impacted my life. Because he, he wasn't just saying sugary things and sweet things. And, and, uh, uh, but but it, it just pierced my heart. And it really is. It still is just this sobering and, and important exhortation to all of us today who follow Jesus. And um, one of the, the quotes that just punched me in the gut, <clears throat> um, he wrote this. He said, um, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is the dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves <clears throat> to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus, it begins the cross is not the terrible end <clears throat> to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. And then he says this. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And I was like, oh, that's what it means to follow Jesus, that Jesus is inviting us to come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples, who had to leave home and work to follow him. Or it may be a death like Luther's, who had to leave the monastery and go into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Jesus Christ. The death of the old man at his call. And he wrote this <clears throat> in the midst of all that was going on in Germany. And he lived out those words. And then in 1945, he, he died for Jesus, and he died for his faith. They, yeah, they executed him for his faith in 1945. And I think about that a lot because we live in a really challenging time today as well. And, and um, when we look around, and when I look around, there's a lot of, of Christ followers <clears throat> around the world who are being persecuted, some even put to death. And then I think of us here in the United States, man, it's really comfortable. Man, it's kind of easy, right? You know, it, it really is. And it's almost as though um, we kind of forget the cost of following Jesus. And I, I just keep hearing God say, Mark, you've got to wake up. The church has to wake up. 
Don't be like the church in Germany and don't wake up when it's too late. But you got to wake up. And in the midst of all this, <clears throat> I, I look at it and I say, man, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of all kinds of things, man, God's light comes shining through. And, and what we have before us, you know, is just this, this amazing privilege and opportunity to be, to be, to be God's people in a world that needs a savior. You know, I mean, we got such an opportunity. You know. Over the last few weeks, <clears throat> you know, I've been to a number of funerals and things, and you know, there, there's some pretty high profile people who, who have passed away, and it just, man, it was if it wasn't clear before, man, it's clear to me now. That that how important what God has called us to how important it really is. You know, how important that is. Because, because death is one of those things, right? Young, or old, you know, male, female, rich, poor, don't matter, you know? And, and we have this amazing privilege, amazing privilege to share. And it all starts with us and our relationship with Jesus. And it starts with us getting to know God in a greater and deeper way. You know, it, it starts with us encouraging each other in our relationship with God. And that's why it's so important, you know, when you go through this, you know, go through it with, with others, <clears throat> you know. And um, we need, we need, we need to, to know the Savior and to know the God who's calling us to go out into the nations to go and make disciples. And we got to spur each other on. And so I just want to encourage you, man, get a study guide today, all right? Just start getting into your Bible. You know, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, that he made a way for every person to be reconciled with God and receive eternal life. He didn't come, Jesus didn't come to offer an insurance policy for us that when we die, we get to go to this place in heaven. You know, Jesus said, and Jesus came to, to bring in a new way of living, that, that eternal life doesn't start when we physically die. That he, he said the kingdom of God has come and is at hand now, and we're to live that life now, you know? And, and he came in with a, a new way to, to live. You know, he, when he came in, it's like he turned everything upside down, and, and it was crazy. And, and he shook up the people then, and it should shake us up. Because like Bonhoeffer is saying, man, this is not just an insurance policy we put in. It's not, no, it costs something. And today's passage, what we're going to do is from Mark 1, verse 14 to chapter 3, verse 6. It's lesson two in here. Um, what, what you, what we, we're going to talking about, we're talking about one little thing, okay? But, but what you get as you read the book of Mark, you get a sense of urgency of Jesus' mission here on earth, you know, that he uses the word immediately, yeah? euthos. He uses that Greek word that, you know, is, is translated immediately or at once. He uses that 42 times. In, in his gospel. It, it's more than all the other gospels put together. 
And every place you read in Mark is immediately, at once, immediately. And, and, and it's like when you're reading Mark, you get this sense of urgency. Like it's just, you know, that, that there's something really important that's happening here. And, um, you know, Jesus has come and he came to bring in something really new. And he knew his time was limited. And so he was, there was, there was urgency there. And may we live with that kind of, we live with that kind of urgency as well, you know? And so, when we look at Mark chapter 1, 14 to 20, what we're going to read is it's all about he beginning his earthly ministry. And he, and, he, and he begins it with an announcement. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he said. The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm bringing it in. I'm bringing this new way. And it's begun. And then in verse 21 to 45, he comes in and he begins to teach and it's this whole new teaching. It's this revolutionary teaching that people are like, what is going on? And it's not only revolutionary teaching, it comes with just new power as well. And like, who is this guy? You know? And then in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through chapter 3, verse 6, we, we just see instance after instance where Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And that's what he did. And this morning, what we're going to look at really quick is we're going to focus in on how Jesus saw people. That how did Jesus, when he looked around, how did he see the people around him? And why that's so important for us to have the eyes that Jesus has. That we would have our Father's eyes. You know, that we would have our Father's eyes for the people around us. You know, just think of that person that you might regularly see at Starbucks, you know, every morning you go to Starbucks on your way to work, you go to the same one, you get the same thing, you know, at the same time of day, and, and, and every morning when you go in there, there's, um, there's, there's this person that just catches your eye, and just look, and it's like, oh, you, you, don't, you don't know her, but you see her, she's there every day, and it just looks, as you're looking at her every day, just like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. And you kind of wonder, you know, I wonder what her story is because, you, you know, you're waiting for your stuff. I wonder what story is. And you start thinking, I wonder, and it's crazy thoughts. Maybe I should go up, say hi. Maybe I should strike up a conversation. And you kind of wonder what you should do. And, and you might even ask yourself, I wonder what Jesus would do, you know? How do you really see that person? You know? Or it could be that coworker in your office and everybody sees, oh, man, that's, that's messed up. That's messed up, Mark, there, Bob, or whatever, you know. And, and there's that guy, and, and you've heard the stories, right, the rumors that's going around that he's been divorced a couple times. He's a deadbeat dad behind on his, you know, child support payments, the whole thing. Even, you even heard the rumor that he's living with someone else now, and, 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 and she's pregnant, right? And it's like, oh, you know, it's just, oh, and, and, and that guy goes out and he eats lunch all by himself every day. And, and really, the truth is, he is just not the most likable person in the office. There's so many others that, man, you just like me. But this guy, eh, you know. But then he always seems to catch your eye. You know, just you look at him and, and you kind of wonder, you know, should I, should I, should I get to know him better? Or oh, should I maybe even invite him to, to lunch? Because he just he's lunch by himself. I kind of heard he's a he's a terrace house fan. Maybe we can talk about that. You know, how do you really see that guy? You know, or 
you know, the place where you work, they, they're, they're organizing a, a co-ed softball team, and they're looking for a couple more players, and yeah, you sort of like softball. You've played. You've been on teams before, you know, but, but you don't know <clears throat> about playing with the people in your office. You say, you know, I, I kind of like working with them, but, you know, I, I don't want to see them at nights too, you know. And, and you thought, and you think, oh, yeah, you know, there's some of those guys who are on that team, you know, they, they, um, they love to party, just party, party, and I'm not really a party guy, and you heard things get crazy. You heard there's some that they're really, really competitive, right? You know, it's, it's winning or nothing, right? It's like second place is first place loser, you know, all these kind of things, you know, and, and they're really competitive. And you think, I, I don't know if I want to play on a team. If I go, I just want to have fun, you know. And so you kind of wonder, you know, do I, do I really want to subject myself to, to what probably is not going to be something that's going to be fun for me, you know, or do I want to spend my precious time off some nights with, with that bunch of people, really, you know? You just wonder, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you really see those people? And, and Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, that he had come to reconcile people to God, that he was bringing in this whole new way to live, this whole new reason to live, and he also came with a radical way to see people, to see the people around you. And, and, and he had eyes that he came with, you know, he came with and, and, and it was surprising who caught his eyes. And as he went around, and you're going to read in this first part in Mark that he's calling people to follow him and be his disciples. And he he surprises everybody by choosing somebody. And everybody thought, he can't be anybody. He can't be bright. Because he's going to choose people like that to follow him. And he had eyes that the people around them didn't have. He had his father's eyes. And in this short encounter in Mark chapter 2, man, there's so much we can learn about the eyes we need to have, right? And so the first thing is, he came to seek and save that which was lost. In Mark chapter 2, verse 13, Jesus went out to the lakeshore again, taught the crowds that were coming to him. He was teaching, and as he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, standing, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciples. Jesus said to him, so Levi got up and followed him. Surprisingly, Jesus' eyes led him to probably the most unlikely person that, that he could ask to follow him, a tax collector. Most of them, we don't know, or most of them were dishonest, working for the Romans, stealing money from his fellow Jews. Nobody liked those guys and and but 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 he caught Jesus's eyes, and and when Jesus asked him, "Come follow me," he just got up and followed him, you know. And the crazy thing is, when he got up and followed Jesus, he knew 
that he would never get his job back again. And he burned those bridges, but he just went and he left everything. In fact, Luke chapter 5 tells us that he left everything behind to follow Jesus. Jesus, um, interestingly, you're going to find that, that his name went from Levi to Matthew. And, and the name Matthew means the gift from God, you know. And Jesus' mission was to seek and save that which was lost. And his eyes led him to arguably the most lost person in that city. That's where his eyes went. And Jesus came to someone who was lost and needed a savior. See, that's what Jesus did. And then we find as Levi follows Jesus, he says, this is like the greatest thing. And so Jesus, I mean, Levi wanted his friends to know Jesus. Second thing in verse uh, 15, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Is there any other kind? Um, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Interesting that Mark puts that in there. He's saying, yeah, he invited these guys in, these guys that not the, the nicest, bestest people around, but he says, in fact, there's a whole bunch of them kind of people. You know, in, you would expect Jesus would have a lot of papil with him, but he had just a bunch of talops. That's what he's saying, all right? Um, I don't know if you're into fishing or, or Hinalea. He has had Hinalea with them, you know? And, and, and so it's interesting that Mark puts that in there. But so transformed was Levi Matthew that, that he wanted everybody he knew to know this Jesus. Because that Jesus changed his life, you know? And that's what happens when we get to really know the Jesus of the Bible. We want everybody to know who he is, that he wanted everyone to come and enjoy what he was enjoying, this relationship with Jesus. He didn't say, hey, you got to come, follow the rules. No, he said, you got to get to know this guy because that's what following Jesus is about. It's about having a relationship with him. And so he, 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 he said, this is like the greatest thing. So he he assembles and he organizes like a meet and greet with Jesus, you know, with all his friends and all that stuff. And now this crowd is assembled and they're really not members of the Vienna Boys Choir. They're really not. Like, this is this motley group of people like himself who did not follow the law or didn't have, you know, they appeared to have nothing to do with religion or anything like that. And he brought them all together. But it was exactly the kind of people that Jesus came, that Jesus came for. Yeah. Verse 16. So this is great, right? Here's Jesus. And, 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 and man, this, this dirty, rotten tax collector, his life has changed and all these other guys are coming. What if their life changed? Man, our city would be awesome. Verse 16, but when the teachers of religious laws, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with all those kinds of people, and he says, tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does Jesus eat with such scum? They weren't happy about that. They go, if he was really this holy Jesus person, teacher, rabbi, man, he would never pick people like that. The people he's picking, they're like the scum of the earth, right? That's what he's saying. 
these people are saying. But then what we discover is that you have an encounter with Jesus, right? Because he's come to seek and save that which was lost. Um, Levi gets to know him. He invites all his friends to come. He, he wants everyone to know Jesus. And then Jesus says something really, really, really amazing to me. That Jesus came with the eyes of a doctor, not a judger. Now, and I was really tempted to put, he came with the eyes of a doctor, not a judge. But judges are good people, right? So like a judger, that's like something different. Jesus heard the leaders complain. He's he, hearing this thing because they kind of wanted Jesus to hear like, why is he eating with these kinds of people? Doesn't he know that like, that's like the worst people around, right? And so he takes this opportunity to teach everybody there who had eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear. And in verse 17, he says this. When Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Okay? Sick people do. I have come, I have come, he's saying, yeah, that not to call not those who think they are righteous. He didn't say, he didn't come for people who are righteous. He says, I didn't come for people who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Jesus came with the eyes and the heart of a doctor. He didn't come with the eyes of someone who judges, determining who is righteous and who is not. And that was a shocking statement to the people that were there. And man, it's a powerful message for us today. Jesus came with the eyes of a doctor. He saw people. When he saw people, what did he see? He didn't see, oh, there's a dirty, rotten sinner. Oh, that, oh, horrible. Jesus came and he saw people broken by sin who needed healing. That's what he saw. Jesus never excused or condoned sin. See, Jesus didn't say, like, sin doesn't matter. You can be this rotten, dirty tax collector. That's okay. No, he didn't say that. He said, these are people who are sick. It's like a doctor. A doctor doesn't go and see someone who is sick and go, oh, bummers. No, like, oh, poor guy. Man, I better not hang with that person. I'm going to hang with the healthy people. Or a doctor wouldn't say, or I hope doctors wouldn't say, like, I just want to see healthy people. No, a doctor becomes a doctor because they want to help sick people. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, look, 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 look. Look what sin has done to people. You know, and these people, sin has really messed up their lives. I came for them. That's what he's saying. That I came with the eyes of a doctor, that he saw people that for who they are, and he wanted so bad that they would be made well, that they would be healed, to experience the forgiveness of sin that ravaged their lives like cancer, that he wanted people to be forgiven. He wanted them to experience that. He came to forgive. He came to bring healing, that, that he came to restore all that sin had eaten away and to bring this purpose and meaning to their lives. And if 
God, he's like, man, if, 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 if Matthew can turn his life around, man, that should bring hope to everybody that everybody can turn their lives around. You know? And, and he's saying, that's the eyes that I come to see, that, I've, that I come to earth to have. Eyes that see people in bondage by sin who needed to be freed. Jesus could have easily come with a different set of eyes. That, that he was the son of God. He was the Messiah. He lived a sinless life. He lived a righteous life. He could have come as a judger. Someone who passes judgment on others. A judgmental person. Jesus didn't come to judge the people around him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. How do you see people? I believe that's what God is challenging all of us with. Here's Jesus. He came with the eyes of a doctor. As followers of Jesus, what kind of eyes do you have? We can have eyes and say, oh, man, that's horrible people. Don't want to even associate with those guys. No, I don't want them. No, I don't want them. Right? Or, or we can go the other way and say, well, like, oh, yeah, you know, those people, you know, they have different beliefs. They have different this. They have different that. And, you know, I'm not going to offend nobody. And, you know, it's, it's okay. And I'm just not going to, you know, that's, that's fine with, with me. They can go their merry way. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to judge people and say like, oh, bad, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but if we have the eyes that Jesus had, the eyes of a doctor, how would you see people? How would you see people? You know, as I was looking at this, I, I was like, man, how do I see people? You know, driving my car. And I see that idiot in that truck, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how do I see that person? Lord, get him. <laughs> get him. If you have the eyes of a judger, like those religious leaders, there's very little love that you have for those that you really don't know. Very little love. If you have the eyes of a judger, like the religious leaders, you kind of separate and you isolate yourself from those around you. It's interesting that Jesus, man, he welcomed everybody. He welcomed everybody. The religious leaders were just picking and choosing. You know, and they're saying like, oh yeah, you're pretty righteous. You're in. You're out. Right? And then there's very little opportunity for God to bless others through you. That gets to me. That, that if I have the eyes of a judge, man, there's, there's, there's no way that God can use me to be a blessing to the people around me. Because all I'm too busy doing is I'm just judging people. If you have the eyes, if you're like Jesus and you see people with the eyes of a doctor, you see that person at Starbucks as a person who could use the love and healing that only God can bring. And you take the risk just to say Hello. That if you have the eyes of a doctor, you see that co-worker as someone, man, who, 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 needs, who needs love. Someone who needs a friend. And more importantly, a savior. And you take that risk and, take them to, and invite them to lunch. After all, 
one lunch. You see that company softball team as people who are worth knowing, you know, who Jesus loves, who God is giving you an opportunity and placing you in the midst, in their, in their midst, really, to bless and to get to know and to minister if necessary and just to share the good news of Jesus with them. And so you sign up for that team. To follow Jesus is to have your father's eyes. You know, to have your father's eyes. To see people like how Jesus sees people. The good, the bad, the ugly in spirit. People are people who Jesus came to die for. See? And, and God wants us to have his eyes for the people around us. That he wants us to, to have a whole new way of looking and seeing people. And that's why, you know, it's like he gave us instructions in Luke 10. He says, okay, I see people. I, I'll, okay, I'll look at people as a doctor. So what? What do I do? Well, Luke 10, that's what, you know, and that's why we call that prayer evangelism. Where you just start blessing people. When you see people and you're just so tempted to judge them, you bless them. You know, going to work and thinking, man, works to be good, except, oh, he's going to be there. Bless them. Bless them. And then Jesus says, then just get to know them. Just get to know them. You know, there was a time when I was at Warner Gardens Missionary Church that some of the the people that I probably would not care to be around, God would just keep bringing them around, you know, right? I mean, I, it was just so frustrating to me that God, like me as an eagle, would have to be with all these, you know? Like, they were so beneath me, right? And I remember once we were, had this, with this uh, marriage thing, and we had to go into these small groups. And uh, there was like about... 60, 70 people there. And Joe and I were leading uh, uh, the small group. And that was going to be our small group for that, 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 that seminar thing and all that. And then I saw, I saw him. And I thought, oh, no, please, God. I want to go. Don't let him come to my group. Terrible, yeah? I was horrible. You know, I know, I know you've, you said, Mark, you, I could never imagine you, I could never imagine me doing that either. I'm like, no, please, please, please. And I saw him walking around, and then, oh, he comes here. And he was in our group. And here's the thing. He was exactly how I thought he would have been. Like, oh. right? Couple months later, whenever I was in service, and he would like, hey, Mark, my pal. I said, yeah, I'm your pal because nobody else comes by. You know, he's there. Come talk to me. And then we were going to go to this conference in Chicago. And, and I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to go to this conference in Chicago. Guess what? I'm going to that same conference. Oh, no. So they, so they were there. Of all the people at the church in Chicago, couldn't get away. So, man, we, we can get, you know, we that's all room to get down. He didn't say that. But it was like, oh, Joe was pregnant. 
And, and we went up, and she was morning sickness. I mean, she was having morning, afternoon, night. She had sick the whole thing, pregnant, sick, right? I'm not even exaggerating, right? God used that guy and his wife to so minister to us when Joe was feeling rotten, you know? He knew Chicago. I didn't know nothing about Chicago. And he said, hey, why don't you try this? And this suit might work. And he, they prayed for us. And I thought, I'm a scumbag. <laughs> but God was trying to teach me something. <laughs> you can have the eyes of a judger. And look what you're going to have. You're going to be miserable. You're gonna be, you know? Or you can have the eyes that Jesus had. You can have your father's eyes. And, man, you know what? Life is going to be so much better, right? Not only will I be blessed, but I get the privilege of being a blessing, right? You know, that I have the privilege of seeing people meet their Savior and having their lives change for all eternity, I can't think of a risk that's not worth that. My prayer is that we would be a church that has our Father's eyes, that we would see people how Jesus saw people, and we would take the risk of blessing and fellowship and ministering to people and then sharing the good news about Jesus with the people around us, you know, that that would be the greatest thing. In your study guide, um, there's some really, really great questions that, that forces us to evaluate our lives. And one question that stood out was, in what ways can you follow in John's John the Baptist's footsteps in preparing the hearts of the people you know for the coming of the Lord? How can you help them, how can you help prepare them to share in the heart of God? How, how do you do that? And I thought, you know, that would be a, that's a, such a great question. And so what I wanted to do is just take about five minutes or so, and you just kind of break up into groups of threes, twos and threes and fours if you're rebellious, five if you're just like, you know, and then this gathering. And all you do is just share, okay? Not counseling time. It's not any other time. It's not a time to evaluate the message. You do that on your way home, okay? Ah, Mark, you suck today. No, no, just, just, just how can you share and prepare the hearts of people? So let's gather on really quick. And, and just take it, just gather around. You don't have to rush out because there's no Super Bowl this year, or this week, this year either. But just, just gather around and then just answer that question. Um, you know, we all so appreciate our first responders, you know, our police officers and our firefighters. And I just kept thinking of my friend Joe right here in the front. So, Joe, you got a study guide. Here, take one. Here. Just for you, Joe. All right? Okay. 
All right, so gather quick. Just turn your chairs. Yeah. The faster we do this, the faster you can eat some grub that Karen made after, right? So just gather around and just answer that question. It should be up there, right? In what way can you follow John the Baptist's footsteps, preparing the heart of the people you know for the coming of the Lord? Simple. Simple stuff. Just share. Just share your thoughts about that. How can you apply your Father's eyes to the people around you? This is my friend, Colin Shimabukuro. And, and, and Colin and I were just talking about, you know, there is challenges, right? Whether you'd be um, an old geezer like me or a young uh, guy like Colin. And, uh, you know, at school. Um, but what was something that, that, here, yeah, just do as we rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> we never rehearsed, but... But, like, how, how do you, what, what came to your mind as far as a challenge to that question? How did you answer that for you? Um, I was talking about how, like, sometimes I'm quiet in my classes and how I should talk more to people. Well, you know, part of the problem for you is that you have a sister who talks for the both of you, <laughs> right? So much. So you, you just, when you going to say stuff, right? She and I can, I can say that about her because she's not here and that's her fault for not being here, right? <laughs> but her friend is back there, so I have to be careful. But yeah, but I mean, you're kind of quiet. In some classes, yes. So wh what do you think you could do more? Just not just start talking, right? What were you thinking? I don't know, make like small talk to the person next to me. or Male or female. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now you're, you're running, you're going to run track. You played basketball. I used to. You used to play basketball, yeah. now you're going to run track. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you think as far as that goes? Because you're on a team, they're close and all that, right? How do you see yourself there preparing? Is that, is that hard? Do you think that's a challenge? Or? Um, yeah, I think sometimes it's a challenge. Like how you said, fitting in. Yeah, because you're the good boy, right? They all know you're the good boy, right? I hope so. Right? <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't use salty language, right? No. I mean, not... That your parents can do, but you don't use salty language, right? <laughs> well, it's like, so if you lose a race, you're not going to use salty language. You no. might just say, golly gee, I wish I won, right? And yeah. they all know that, right? Yeah. So how do you fit in with that then? Mm, I don't know. I, I respect like how they act, but I try like not to follow them exactly. So in a way, they kind of respect you, too, for what yeah. you believe and, and all that, yeah? Yeah, let's pray for Colin because, you know, like as a team, let's pray for each other, right? Because we all got to encourage each other. I'm going to be encouraging Colin as he runs track that, that, you know, how is he going to prepare the way for Jesus to come in? Because God put him on that track team for a reason, right? God's put you at work where you work for a reason, so. Thanks. Sorry, I just called you up. Yeah. Johnny owes you lunch now, all right? Yeah, thanks. All right, you guys.